All right, guys, welcome back into the fourth edition of the Betting Podcast. It's been a pretty solid two weeks in a row. Uh, Hazi's been on kind of a little bit of a hot streak, and I'll let him tell you guys about that. Yeah, um, a couple weeks ago with the Hovland bet, and then last week we were talking about how, you know, these great players and now the new world number one, the reason why they're so good is because they don't allow their prolonged stretches or their so-called prolonged stretches, which usually isn't very long to, to last a while. And that's obviously what we saw with John Rom last week. He just, he was talking about it. And I think after the third round, he was talking about how he adjusted some of the lies on his uh, on his clubs because over the quarantine, he got stronger. And it definitely looks like it too. He looks a lot leaner and a lot stronger. My dad even made a comment about it the other day when we were watching it. So obviously, yeah, that figured out. That was after, uh, that was going into the final round of, la- of the workday. And then he was obviously unbelievable strokes gained approach that last round. And then he obviously just, took that in, into the memorial and just completely ran away with it. And, you know, I, I cashed him out for a little north of 7K just because of the way the course was playing and the way the course was set up. But I, I should have figured that everyone else is going to crumble around him as well. It's not like just John's going to crumble. But that's how it goes for me usually. Like, if I don't cash him out, he probably starts bogey-bogey double, brings everybody back into play, and then I'm stressing the rest of the way. And he even almost blew it towards the end. I mean if Palmer makes birdie on 15 and then if Rom doesn't chip it on 16, it's literally a one shot lead going to 17 after being eight up after eight. So it was a wild week. I was just, you know, happy to get uh, happy to be North of 10 K the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, to have a Sunday morning where, you know, you're already cashing again, that feels yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty darn good. And especially for last week where there's just a lot of crazy stuff going on. So I bet that felt good. Uh, but another solid week, even looking at like some of the other guys that we talked about, uh, if you guys did like the top 10s or top 20s, top 40s or whatever, it was a good week. I know Harris English was a specific one that we touched on. Uh, he ended up top 20. And then I know we were really high on Henrik Norlander. The podcast did break up at the end, but pretty much our thing was that, yeah, Henrik Norlander is the guy you need to be on for top 40. And then, you know, if you guys wanted to bet him a little bit more than that, you can do that. Um, but that's kind of the week that we had this week as well. I think a lot of this week can be bet on the guys that we're going to talk about, but you can bet them to the top 10, yeah. win it possibly. It's kind of a wide open week, but I really do like this week. I know off air, I told you that I had walked this course and kind of got to see it firsthand, which is a good thing, I think, for the most part. But it's really just a course where you just need to keep giving yourself some opportunities and eventually you're going to convert some of those putts for birdies. So I do really like this week. I know a lot of people are you know, somewhat worried about it because it's a weaker field, but that's something we'll touch about as the, you know, podcast goes on. Do you have any thoughts on this week? No, just Norlander saved my $200 single entry because, uh, you know, I had Rom and, and Norlander, which obviously helped and then fucking Berger, you know, three under through three. I also had, had him as an outright last week. I'm like, this is fantastic. I bet him first round leader as well. I'm like, okay, you know, birdie five, birdie seven. We're all of a sudden five under on the front. We're definitely gonna be first round leader. And then just to actually miss the cut and, you know, thank God Norlander was only eight and a half percent owned or whatever in that contest. So I won a couple hundred bucks in that. But yeah, Daniel Berger, man, just lots of short putts. He's been a good putter all year long. And then and then on on Friday, he just completely shit himself. And he, that epitomized on, on nine, on his 18th of the day. Dude, that honestly might be like my worst beat like ever. Just like from the fairway, like 140 outs, dude hits in the water and then can't miss a five foot putt to make the cut. It's just like, if he makes the cut, it's a massive week for me just in general, just because there are so many lineups that would have been six or six or five out of six that would have hit. You talked about Norlander. My best lineup had Norlander and Berger in it as well. So 
it's just one of those weeks where it's just slightly off, you know. But I had this, a buddy of mine that uh, if he played Jason Day over Sung Jam, you would have won a million bucks. Oh, dang. That is crazy. I mean, I asked him, though, if he, if he ever considered it. He's like, no. So it's not like it's not like he was like, oh, I should play Jason Day. Yeah. But uh, still, man, that's so rattling to know that you were Jason Day away from winning a million bucks when you it don't is. know if you're going to get out of bed the next day. Yeah. I mean, it, for me, I never really lose sleep over like stuff like that where I never even thought about it. Yeah, for, yeah, me, for, sure. la- for me, last week, it was a little bit of a. Uh, my main build that I ended up on was either between Ricky or Abraham answer. And I did something I hate doing, which is I kind of split it down the middle, you know, 50, 50, which I hate doing. I like committing to one made build. So the Ricky one actually ended up barely cash in some cash contests, the double bogey or whatever, the two stroke penalty that was assessed to Rom actually ended, yeah. ended up making it cash, which was kind of a weird week in general, but well, all right. Yeah. I re- quickly, I just read this on Twitter. I don't know if it's true that slugger white said that, uh, if it wasn't uh, like if that two shot penalty like changed the outcome of the tournament, they weren't going to call it or no. something along those lines. No, they they wouldn't they wouldn't have, which is yeah, interesting. I but I, I don't mind it. I, you know, every golfer kind of does something like that where they put the club behind the ball and you know it moves. Sometimes it's just you're not going to call yourself on that where it doesn't affect the shot. Well, I mean, Patrick Reed would never make a cut if. Isn't it weird oh. that Patrick Reed had uh, two straight rounds under par? In, yeah, exactly. Saturday, Went Sunday? by himself on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird how that happened. I don't know. Uh, but this week, we'll, we'll get back into the, the winners here. So we do our top three picks. It is kind of top heavy, but I do think there are some long shot bets that could yep. potentially go on and win. Uh, Matthew Wolf was somewhat a long shot bet last year. So um, we'll get it started. I'll go and get it started right away. Um, Paul Casey is my guy this week. I do like Tony Finau as well, but all right, I'll start out with Tony Finau because Tony Finau is messaging you last week saying, Hey, I hope he doesn't win this exactly. week because I love him next week. This course yep. is set up perfectly for Tony Finau. Honestly, if Tony Finau or Paul Casey don't win this week, I'll be a little bit shocked. They're just such great stat fits. They're like the perfect golfer for this course because yeah, sure. Putting might not matter as much here, which should help Casey and Finau a little bit more, but it still does matter somewhat. So if they don't win, I do believe it'll be because of putting, but everything else is pretty much top 10 across the board for the key stats that we're looking at. So uh, Paul Casey and Tony Finau, I really like, I'm looking at uh, DK Sportsbook right now, uh, plus 1,400 for Tony Finau and plus 1,800 for Paul Casey, both okay odds. It's not horrible. I saw in bet three, six, five earlier that it's a little bit better. I don't know if you have those, but slightly better for those two. Um, and that's really it for the top. end. I will give the third pick here after you go. Um, but yeah, that's what I got for Tony Fina and Paul Casey. Just great picks. Yeah, man. It really, it was only one bad hole kind of for both of them on the same hole, you know, Paul Casey, obviously made that eight on 12 and then that kind of just derailed him. And then in the third round, Tony made that sloppy double on 12 again, and that kind of derailed him. But like you said, it's just whenever like, like yeah, Tony Finau, there's three par fives. There, there's some long par fours as well that he can use his length as, as an advantage. You were there last year, obviously walked the course. I expect the conditions and the setup to be relatively the same in terms of rough length being almost non-existent. Um, and- yeah. Even if it's a little bit more, it shouldn't affect it too much. No, no, no. And, uh, yeah, and it's just it's just the only thing that scares me is Tony Finau at 15-1. to 1, And you have that curse of everyone that wins a Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico Open never being able to win again. But like you said, I mean, he, he played a, a pretty unbelievable. Like his short game, because he was in the feature group on Friday on PGA Tour Live, like that shot he hit out of the bunker on four. 
was absolutely disgusting. He hit it to like six inches. Like, I, I don't know if he could do that again if he got another 100 golf balls. So, obviously, he's been working on his short game. Um, his putting was actually relatively was relatively good. And, you know, everyone was critiquing his, his mental state about hitting in the water. But, you know, they failed to mention that every day his strategy was to go for the green. Because even if you, don't, if you hit in the water, it's, it's a relatively easy up and down. And you move your par and move on. And the risk is worth the reward there. So, uh, yeah, I like Tony Finau this week too. And we were touching off here a little bit. This, is, this could be the Rocket Mortgage where you're either getting Fleetwood Finau or Johnson. Just They're just going to run away with it, and they're obviously going to win because they're just, what is it, four out of the top 50 in the world are here. So some, not, not, very, not, not a very strong field. But you look at, um, you look at Doc Redman. He's, you know, a top stat fit here. I think you have him. I think he's the fourth. Yeah. Fourth, you know, stat fit here. Ball striking eighth, strokes gained 68th, total putting 145th. But, I mean, uh, it's like we said about Matthew Wolf won last year, and he, he's a pretty bad putter. And if you look down that leaderboard, you know, it wasn't really great putters. And to get mm-hmm. Doc Redman at 50-1 to 1 this week and 45-1 to 1 at the Rocket Mortgage, I will 100% bet him at 50-1 to 1 this week in a much weaker field. And, uh, of course, where – it's a lot more wide open and he can really use his ball striking to an advantage because we saw at the Rocket Mortgage, he birdied seven out of eight holes and one of those pars was a par five. So I, I definitely like him. It, it kind of reminds me a lot of Matthew Wolf yeah, last man. year where things were kind of, or Colin Morikawa too, where things were kind of trending in the right direction for a young player. And it kind of seems like things are coming together for him. And you mentioned his putting splits. If he was like a top 50 putter, I, I, I would have to look again, but I think he'd be number one in the field for a stat fit. I mean, so. For sure. And, and his odds would be cut in half if he was even a top 80 putter. Exactly. But just looking at the stats, him and yeah, Paul yeah. Casey are essentially the same play. It's just. Yeah. Doc Redman doesn't have the name value, and we ju- we don't really know how Doc Redman's going to respond after that horrible, you know, round last week. But it wasn't the best course for him last week. No, the conditions were extremely hard; like a lot of guys struggled. And Matthew Wolf is like you said about how they're almost the same player. Like, like I just mentioned about seven out of eight holes at Redmond Birdie. When both of those players, Wolf and Redmond, get their putters going they're going to make a lot of birdies and gain a lot of strokes on the field. And we saw that last year with Matthew Wolf. And this is kind of what I'm going to, I guess I was going to save it for the end of the show, but in terms of live betting guys, like maybe after the first or second round, we saw Matthew, I think Matthew Wolf was 150 to one after the second round. And we saw he just went on absolute fire in the third round. I want to say he shot nine under or something like that and, and really shot up the leaderboard. And you, and when you have guys that are so good ball striking, then that's going to happen. And, this year, obviously, Matthew Wolf contended at the Rocket Mortgage, but his approach to the green stats were horrendous, whereas Doc Redman and Tita Green is, is one of the best in the world. So once he starts rolling in some of those putts, you could see him running away with this, to be completely honest, because he is almost like Tony Finau if you, if, you weren't look, like, if you just looked at the stats in terms of ball striking and putting. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with Doc Redman there. It's, it's going to be a good pick. Um, he definitely has the upside to go on and win as well. I, yes. I, it's just... Go ahead, sorry. No, no, we, we pretty much summed it up pretty well there with Doc Redman. Yeah, and there's just a couple of other guys that uh, – because I know we got three here. Yeah. Patrick Rogers as well. Um, you know, his, his putting is the complete opposite of Doc Redman and something that people say is not useful for this course in terms of needing to win to be a good putter. So one second. So I, 
I think that's complete just BS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you're a good putter, you're a good putter. Like it's not yeah, yeah. it's not a bad thing. It's and it never was a bad one thing. Event, right? Like it was one event. This is a brand new tournament. Like if this was a ten year trend where okay, shitty putters are at the top of the leaderboard, then okay, it has some merit. Uh but yeah, like one tournament where you have like four guys aren't even on the PGA tour anymore that I think we're on that leaderboard. Like, let's be honest. So he's top 50 and strokes gain off the tee as well. It's like, yeah, if exactly. you're putting yourself in good positions and you're a great putter, yeah. that's some good stuff right there. And if he didn't perform the way he did last week, I definitely would not even think about playing this week, but a guy who puts like that and came T I think what he finished one or two over at the Memorial, something like pretty decent. So to be able to like grind and to, and to know where, you know, his ball striking hasn't been there where he wants it this year, but to continue to grind and battle out four rounds and put in four scores and to finish where he did, you know, I think that's going to give him some momentum going into this week where if he starts filling up the cup early, it's like, okay, if he's feeling it and, you know, we've seen him contend before, you know, Charles Hall obviously beat him at, I think it was the RSM where Howell went for the first time and whatever, but Patrick Rogers is right there. So we know he has a talent to be contending at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, you summed it up pretty well there. If uh, maybe later on in the uh, podcast, he'll be the guy I won't play in DraftKings, but I'd love to bet he might be that guy. He's not going to be, but it's close because I don't know if I can trust him in DraftKings, but he makes perfect sense for an outright bet. Um, you talked about it. It's a guy that last week he shouldn't have played well. He shouldn't have made the cut, and he yep. did. Um, you look at his bogey avoidance, his top 70, which isn't great. He grades out as like a – uh, around 40th stat fit this week, which, you know, it's not great, but that's kind of the week that we have. And he's a streaky guy. So if he gets hot with his putter, you know, there's no telling what he can do. So I definitely agree with Patrick Rogers. There as an outright kind of deeper bet. Yeah, man. And, and cause this is like, this is where we were talking about last week, how, and obviously if you, if you throw out the history of time, it's going to be guys that are in the 20 to 40 range that win majority of the time and last week like I said I wasn't going below 40 like I think Tony Finau was my lowest bet at 40 to 1 last week because it was going to be that type of week where a stud was going to win but this week could be the complete opposite and you look at a guy like Richard Rensky competes at the Honda we know it's a tough course competes at the Rocket Mortgage you know he had that sloppy third or fourth round whatever it was but so you have a course that's hard and of course that's you know you need to make a lot of birdies and he's contending at both so you know you come to the 3M open here where and, you know, he was on the big breaks. This guy's been through some adversity. He knows how to string together some cuts. I think he's made five cuts in a row. So he's almost like a knock on wood, a safe bet to make the cut. And that's all you want out of a guy like him at 80 to 1, who we've seen up on the first page of the leaderboard after 36 holes multiple times this year. And I think he came third. I want to say he came third at the Greenbrier. But don't quote me on that. Um, at the beginning like of the 2019-2020 season. So, yeah, that's another guy that at 80 to 1, um, he has, like, you were talking about Henrik Norlander. Yeah, he's been playing really well, but doesn't have nearly the kind of track record that Rich Orensky does at 80 to 1. Yeah, so a lot of the times people ask me, like, hey, how were you on Nick Taylor, Lanto Griffin, Sebastian Munoz? It's because, I mean, I'm saying this because Richie Rowensky is kind of the exact same play this week where it's like he's been in great form. He's a relatively good stat fit. He's showing some decent course history slash comp course history. 
if Rich Lewinsky goes out and wins, it's not going to surprise us at all because he's kind of checking all the boxes. Sure, you don't expect it to happen, but if yeah. it does, it's really not shocking at all. Where, you know, some other guys, you know, uh, Brennan Grace, if he won, that'd be shocking. It's kind of like around the same odds yeah. there. That'd be shocking to me. But uh, Richie Rewinsky, it's like, yeah, five straight make cuts in a row. He's a guy that, you know, is looking like he's going to be a fine play this week. Well, we also talked about last week, Kevin Streelman was 70 to 1. Kevin Streelman at the Memorial was 71. We're getting 10 points better on Richard Rensky in a glorified Corn Ferry Tour event. Like, it's a no-brainer. And that's where you got to be selective. Like, you know, last week I went heavy units-wise on, on John Rom. Like, I bet more on him than anyone else because I was just confident. This week, we talk about all the time about being, you know, a little bit more selective. And I'm not going to bet as much this week or as many players because it's just unpredictable. But... Yeah, Rich Renske at 80-1 or whoever, Scott Stallings at 80-1, who I like this week as well, is a way better play than a Kevin Streelman at 70-1 last week. So just because you want to bet on a golfer or you like betting golf, just you got to be selective and patient because we still have so many more events to come up. And speaking of Munoz, like you said, he completely fucked me on my top 40 last week that I was like, oh, you know, if you make the cut, you have a greater chance of being top 40 than – no, no. He shot a nice little 79 in the fourth round and just shit himself like Berger did on nine. Dude, it was it was such a frustrating Friday morning for me, just in general. I like the whole morning. I'm like, man, this is going pretty well. This is gonna be a great week. And then all of a sudden, like Webb had like a 12 footer on 17. I'm like, oh, he could make this. And I'm like, even if he doesn't, he's got the one more hole to get a birdie. Yeah. And just missed the birdie putt, and then he probably tried to go for it on nine. And just Nick Taylor had a horrible lie on seventeen. It kind of fell apart, but like I said earlier, came together on Sunday to kind of kind of get lucky there. Yeah. Um, my last guy, kind of echoing what we said last week where, um, yeah, you want to bet the top end guys because most likely they're, they're going to win. And there was one guy that I pointed out last week that I liked quite a bit and not necessarily for, you know, an outright win, but it was more for like a top 10, uh, top 20. That's our boy, Harris English. So Harris English just grades out as a great stat fit. Uh, second overall, it, you know, if he honestly does poorly, it's really going to shock me. He's had nine finishes in the top 20 this year. Obviously, if you want to adjust the field strength, which, you know, I somewhat agree with like adjusting field strength to like projecting how someone's going to finish, but also you just kind of got to play your game and play well. But if you were to adjust those tournaments, you know, that'd be a top 10 finish this week. His lowest stat fit is, uh, let me pull it up here real quick. Uh, birdie or better percentage, which is 93rd, but he ranks fourth in bogey avoidance and everything else is uh, top 30 or better. So he is just an elite stat fit this week. The only problem with Harris English is that he missed the cut here last year, but you know, your first time playing a course, you know, whatever, you know, sometimes that just happens. So I'm kind of throwing that out. Love the great reason for him. Love the stat fit. And he's a guy that, uh, you know, I really like. Let me pull up his odds here real quick. I think he's uh, 33 to 1 on Bet365. 33 to 1. So he's 35 to 1 on DraftKings. A little bit better there. So pretty solid odds for a guy that really won't be shocking if he goes out and, you know, wins it. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. But for me, it's just kind of along the lines of a Tony Fino at 15 to 1 that. Harris English at 34 to one to start a tournament just scares me a little bit. But so, like you said, it, it was kind of like the ROM. Like I don't want to compare ROM and English at all. Cause they're obviously not the same player, but like, like we're talking about if ROM turns it around, it's not going to surprise us. If English, you know, makes some more putts, like you said, he doesn't really make a lot of birdies, but he mm -hmm. avoids the big numbers. And if he starts rolling in some putts, it's like, okay. I, like it was just right here. The stats fit. Everything was pointing in the right direction. He had a good Memorial tournament. Um, 
but it's just the, the 34 to one scares me. The same with Glover. It's just those numbers were a little bit higher. I, I would definitely be more, more keen on them like you are. Yeah, that's kind of the problem with this week is that the numbers aren't as favorable as they would be in a normal week. Um, I do have a quick question for you. So a lot of people have been asking me this week specifically about like world golf rankings. And I was looking at Harris English and he's like, uh, like over a hundred right now, I believe I'd, I might have to double check that. I believe that's right. But I'm like, this dude has been like a top 25 golfer this year, like across the world. I'm sorry. He has been, he's been a stud this year, especially early on where he has top 10 finishes. And, you know, in this tournament, I would probably say that, you know, after DJ, which DJ has kind of struggled after Fleetwood and Casey, you could make a strong argument that Harris English is the next best, you know, just this season. Uh, yeah, yeah, because he's uh, the 139th ranked player in the world. I just saw that now, and I agree with you. Like, like I said about only being like four players in the top 50 that are there this week. It's like, yeah, he's been playing really well, and you know that 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 actually makes the 34 to one number a little bit more enticing for me, knowing that you know people kind of are on Tim this week in, in terms of they think he's going to play well. And I know that always doesn't correlate to them playing well, but it's rare that you find a guy that has top 20 stat fits everywhere, essentially, except one category. So, you know, he's been playing really well and you never know, like these guys, they, they want to play the masters. They want to get into the U S open, the PGA's in a couple of weeks. So they're really trying to play as much as possible and get up as high as possible in the world rankings to get into these fields without, you know, having to qualify. So maybe that's another added reason that Harris English might go out there and play really well this week. Exactly. So it's just, you know, he, he just seems like a, a no brainer because it's definitely not at his odds, but it's like one where, you know, just throw a little bit of units at it and, you know, probably hope to get lucky because it is a great yeah. staff. You mentioned like a guy that's, you know, top 20 and everything that we're looking at one that was web last week, but it was also um, English pretty much. It was also Rom and I forget there's one other, but you, you know, Ryan Palmer. <laughs> he actually didn't grade out poorly, but um, more times than not, those guys are going to go out and produce. They're going to top 15. They're going to top 10. They're going to, you know, potentially win. So that's yeah. why you got to look at all that stuff. Cause when you paint the full picture, that's when it really matters. So we'll do a couple of deeper dives. Do you want me to go first? Or do you want to go first? Sure, yeah, first? yeah, you can go first. Yeah. Okay. So my first one is actually going to be Chaston Hadley, who I've gone on a ton more as the week has went on. Uh, he's a top 11 stat fit, actually. So that's really why I like him. A lot of my builds were coming down to like the 7K range on DraftKings. And I had to dive a little bit deeper because Matthew Naismith was there who, you know, the dude is fine in the first round and then he just chokes in the second round. I don't hate uh, Matthew Naismith this week. He's a top 10 staff hit, but the dude's burned us enough to the point where I'm kind of over it. Uh, but Chasson Hadley this week, I mean, top 20 staff hit. Uh, if he can limit his bogeys, he's going to be great because he ranks like 170th in uh, bogey avoidance. But in birdie or better percentage, he is 14th. In strokes gain approach, he is 20th. Uh, you know, he just ranks out really well, especially for this course. He's a guy that should really go out and play well. I tweeted something out earlier this week, uh, pretty, uh, yesterday, comparing like pretty much DJ's and Chaston Hadley stats. I'm like, Hadley's slightly worse than DJ, but I love the odds on Chaston Hadley. Uh, let me try to pull him up real quick. Um, I know I had him written down, but my writing is kind of trash, so I apologize for that. Next doctor. Yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, doctor. Oh, let's see here. So I got it, uh, I think, 110 to 1 on DraftKings, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, he's 126 to 1 on uh, 
bet three six five. So you're getting a little bit better there. Yeah, so that'd be a good bet on bet three six five there. But even the top ten or top twenty, I think that'd be a strong bet for Chesson Headley. So that's gonna be my first kind of value pick. Do you have any? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, there, there's a few in here that you could go. There's multiple directions in. You know, he he was on the Florida State golf team with Brooks Kepka. You know, he had, he had a really good workday performance. I, I like Chase Seifert this week, or whatever the fuck you say his last name. Seifert, I mean, Seifert. Yeah, Seifert, whatever. Tomato, tomato. Um, you know, he, he's been playing well as of late. You know, his statistics aren't the greatest, but, I mean, I think that's more so just due to the fact that he hasn't played a lot this year, and there's not really a lot of tournaments for, for you to go off of. But his recent form is something that I like personally. And at someone north of 101 in this field, um, you know, if you can shoot 14 under at the Memorial, obviously it was the work, uh, the work day, but obviously it wasn't in the same condition as the Memorial. Still, that's 14 under par or 12 under par, whatever, whatever he shot that week. Uh, so uh, you obviously can go low. And I think the 3M, the TPC Twin Cities, is a little bit of an easier course than Memor- uh, Muirfield Village. So I like Chase Seifert this week at 100. Let me just double check quickly. 126 to 1, just like um, – just like uh, Hadley. Hadley. Yeah, those are good odds. And that's, again, another player. This is kind of the theme of this week. Is like there's a lot of players that I would be fine betting outright or you know betting to top 10 where I don't necessarily feel comfortable putting them in a DraftKings build. His price is you know decent for DraftKings, but I do like the call for like a top 10 you know outright bet as well because he's the guy that has shown that he can go low and it's just a matter of eventually converting that. So I don't mind the uh, – what, what are you calling it? Seifert or Seifert? Yeah. Whatever. Cipher. <laughs> All right, we're, we're gonna go with Cipher. Yeah. Uh, my Maybe next. We can get him on one day, and he can tell us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he'll, he'll say both just to mess yeah, with exactly. us, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my next one, the next two, I don't really like for outright bets, but I think based on their odds, it's not horrible. Um, the first one's gonna be Johnson Wagner, uh, two fifty to one. He's a guy that has kind of sucked this year, but he's made two cuts in a row, which he's only made like three out of the year total, which is not great. But the last two cuts he's made were fine. He typically is a good ball striker, total driver. Um, He only ranks top 70 in both of those right now, but he doesn't really make bogeys, and he's normally a pretty strong strokes gain guy, and he's normally a good putter. Um, I don't know if it's the events that he has played because he hasn't played that many events this year to the point where, you know, he hasn't been playing – tournaments that favor his game where a lot of the guys get to pick and choose you know golf events that favor their game so his stats could be a little bit skewed because he's a golfer that has to play events to keep his card um but he had a 23rd finish here last year uh he grades out decent he grades out as someone that should make the cut you just got to give yourself opportunities so at those odds for a guy that should make the cut i really don't mind it yeah i think it's i don't know if he shaved his mustache yet but maybe that was uh slowing his swing speed down a little bit and making his game a little bit rusty. But uh, going back to your buddy there, Tim Wilkinson, I know you liked him at uh, – where was it? At the char- – at uh, was it the first week you liked him? So, uh, or was it, it was an alternate? I think that was – um, So I liked him like two weeks in a row. Yeah. Um, it was when he was an alternate and you couldn't like bet on him really. He yeah. – I'm like, just keep an eye on this guy. He can go low. I think he like had a really bad double bogey that ended up making him miss the cut by one. And yeah. then he just really struggled uh, the next tournament. But then we saw him pop last week. Yeah, man. And 400 to one this week, you know, kind of like English where birdie or better is 113th, but like his bogey avoidance is top 30 this week, top 30 stat fits, um, strokes gain T to green, top half of the field. 
Uh, ball striking, top half of the field, total putting kind of near the bottom. But if it's anything like last week, um, or sorry, last year where you don't need to putt, then he's definitely a guy that can, can get up there. And at 400 to 1, it, I like him. And also quickly, just uh, he's 64 to 1. Uh, sorry, 64 to one, 6,400 on DraftKings is salary. And this is almost a, a, a week where you could like almost justify yourself, like putting Johnson and Fleetwood on most of your builds or, and maybe even like a Casey there or something. And then just like just hammer, hammer a lot of 6,500 guys that are good stat fits and that people aren't really going to touch because there's so, like you said, even on Twitter and we were talking about like, there's so much value, like below 7,000 this week that you could justify really like, loading up your card at the top and then getting a Wilkinson at 6,400 to one or a Seamus power at 6,500. Yeah. So a lot of the people actually on the nine to five chat were reaching out to me just like individually kind of wondering what their lineup has should be on DraftKings this week. I'm all like, I don't hate, I don't suggest it, but I don't hate the idea of kind of just scheduling in two missed cuts. Now, obviously you hope that they make the cut, but what I mean by that is like going with like two players down in that pricing range where you're assuming that they're going to miss a cut, but then everyone else in your build, you're assuming that they're going to, you know, top 10 and top 15, given their price point range. So yeah. this is a week where, you know, four out of six would probably be the norm. So I don't hate that in terms of uh, DraftKings. Uh, my last play is going to be a guy that you <laughs> just touched on actually uh, Seamus power. Uh, I think his game's trending in the right direction. Obviously, his last start was a little bit better than he, you know, typically would play a top 12 finish. Um, but I got his odds at uh, 300 to 1, which is uh, pretty uh, pretty nice for a guy that this course does fit his game pretty well. So it really wouldn't surprise me if he, you know, went out and played well. Uh, like I said, three straight make cuts in a row. His birdie or better percentage is top 10. If he can clean up the bogeys that's going to be great. He's top 60 and like total putting uh, strokes gain off the tee or strokes gain total. Sorry. And then yeah, strokes gain off the tee as well. So don't hate that play at those odds. Once again, that's another guy this low that should make the cut. And then if his game's going well, he could potentially show that upside to win. Yeah. That was going to be my other guy too. I know I mentioned him a few seconds before you did, but yeah, just a guy that's 6,500 on DraftKings and definitely a guy that we saw him at the rocket mortgage. And this is, kind of the same field. So maybe there's some good vibes there with him this week at, uh, in Minnesota. Yeah. We didn't talk about your buddy though, Troy Merrick. So Minnesota, Minnesota native where he went to school or is he a Minnesota native or he just went to, he just went to school there. So I think I, I don't know where he's from originally. I think it might've been one of the Dakotas, but he went to WSU, Winona state university. That's where I went as well. He only played for like a year and a half there and then he transferred up, but I mean, come on, you've played those courses around that area. I'm sure he's played that course as well. I really don't like him as a play. This is another thing I posted on Twitter. It's like people are going crazy for Eric Van Royen, mostly just because of his world golf ranking, but also because he's a golden uh, golfer. He's a golden golfer. I'm like, come on. Troy Merritt has shown much more upside uh, than uh, Eric Van Royen. And, you know, they're both pretty streaky golfers where you can't really trust them. I'm seeing a lot of people saying Van Hoyen is a great cash play this week, which is like, who, you know, those are. You hope he is, and then you'll just cash <sighs> on everybody's stupidity. I, I, I hope so. I mean, you look at his last four starts, it's been like 100th finish, yeah. top like 30, 100th finish, top 20. It's like, that's great when he top 20s, but 
you know, it's a hundred that gets you 10 points for the week. Yeah. Too, too risky for me. Um, there are a couple of deeper odds. I just want to mention out there. Uh, Cameron Davis is a guy that I could see going off and playing while well. he ranks top 20. Uh, Nick Watney is well also ranks as a top 20 staff. It really don't like those guys on DraftKings this week, but for uh, betting purposes, I could see them popping. Yeah. And uh, Troy Merritt's from good old Osage, Iowa. I think it's oh, okay. Iowa. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. Close enough actually. to the Dakotas. Fuck Midwest. Yeah, exactly. I should have just said Midwest. You're right. Um, I know better American geography than you do. Dude, I am pretty bad at geography in general. <laughs> That's I concentrate on sports in high school. So, yeah, same <laughs> um, so I do have a promo code. It's from one of my uh, buddies. His name is uh, Brooks. <laughs> yeah, well, he goes by Brooks Radio on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and whatnot uh, for BetMGM. I think that's the website. So BetMGM, I'll post the slide up here. He does have a promo code going out. It's uh, Brooks100. Get you guys $100 free dollars out there. I know it's like New Jersey, Nevada, um, Indiana, Indiana, and West yeah. Virginia are like the four. So if any of you guys are listening in those areas, you know, take advantage of that. That's going to be a pretty good thing. I looked at some of the odds earlier. That's pretty solid. So I just want to post that out there for you guys if uh, any of you guys are interested in that. It's pretty much free money. Um, but we'll move on to the next session. I know we kind of uh, already mentioned a couple of them for, for me personally. Is there one player that you would bet on this week that you would not touch on DraftKings? Oh, oh man. It, apparently he shot 64 at Shinnecock this past weekend, which is like, fuck, I'd be shooting 64 after six holes at Shinnecock. But it's just, we saw Tiger and obviously he's in much better physical condition than Tiger, but we saw Tiger 200-3 early in the first round and then kind of fall fall back a little bit because it's not medalist. It's, it's tour-level competition, tour-level mm-hmm. conditions and all that. Like, Tommy Fleetwood this week, maybe 17-1. to 1. Like, it wouldn't shock me if he – like, I'm going to play him in some DraftKings lineups, but, like, I feel more confident in having him just more of an outright. I know his odds aren't the greatest, but, like – for him to be 17 to one in this field is almost like a slap in the face for someone of Tommy Fleetwood's caliber. Like just because he hasn't played doesn't mean that he deserves to be 17 to one at fucking TPC twin cities, fucking house league golf course. You know what I mean for him? I mean, it sets, this course really sets up well for DJ, Tommy Fleetwood, uh, Tony Finau and Paul Casey, just a ton. I would say Brooks as well, but he's playing like ass right now. So I definitely agree with that. So, and I I really don't quickly don't understand the Bubba Watson love. Like I know he's kind of played half decent lately, but like, again, I got burned at him at the Genesis this year because I I put like 300 bucks on him because everyone was touting him Mm -hmm. and he completely stunk and he's been shit up until maybe he missed three cuts in a row before the layoff. And then he's had a couple good events and all of a sudden he's back. I, I don't get it. Yeah, so the thing with Bubba Watson this week is that his finishes, his missed cuts haven't been that bad. It's actually been decent golf. It just hasn't been a good enough, you know, to make the cut. It's been under par. I get the Bubba Watson love this week. And actually, that's mo- I'm going to play him a little bit in DraftKings, but that would actually be my, you know, I'd rather bet him than playing in DraftKings this week. That's actually my guy. So that's pretty much why you summed it up. Or, you know, you made cuts actually matter, you know, recent form and making cuts actually matters. And he's a guy that really just hasn't been doing it this year. Um, so that's, that's the worry there. I feel like it, tell me if I'm wrong, but isn't this year, like since we've come back, there's been more millionaire maker lineups that don't use the full salary than normal. Definitely feels that way with like Palmer being there. And usually you see like lineups that are 49.9 or 49.8, the absolute mm-hmm. lowest in years past where there's been some more consistency. But 
like some of the optimal lineups and, and some of even the winners have definitely been like a few hundred dollars short of the max. Yeah. So at this at sense break, it definitely has been a, a year where you could leave some salary off just because, you know, DK has done a great job pricing pretty much, but there have been some players that really stood out whether, you know, it's pretty much been Adam Hadwin what the last three weeks where it's like, whoo, that's, that's some uh, bad pricing there, DraftKings. So, you know, they have been doing that quite a bit. So, I, you know, it's not a bad strategy, but, you know, you never really want to do that. Um, I'm trying to look at some matchups right now. Um, there's a decent amount of quality ones. Uh, one thing I do want to say real quick, though, is uh, Russell Henley versus Chaston Hadley. It's not a matchup. But if you could create that, I would love it because these guys are pretty much the same player. And... Yeah. You know, sure, Henley flashed a little bit more upside with two top 10 finishes, but um, Hadley's a little bit better stat fit, and they pretty much made the exact same cuts. <laughs> you know, if Henley misses the cut, it's not going to be surprising. Sure, if Hadley misses the cut, it's not going to be surprising either, but I would much rather take those odds with Hadley. I just I don't get Russell Henley other than the top 10 finishes. It's a little bit scary for me at that price point at its odds. So if you could find something with Russell Henley with a favorable guy, I do show Harris English is uh minus uh, 118 versus Russell Henley. Who's minus 106. I, you know, I like that. Um, but if you could find a little bit better one, you know, a guy that's plus go with that. Yeah, man. Uh, here on better six five, it's Harris English versus Russell Henley this week, Henley this weekend, they're both a dollar 90. So yeah, I mean, that's another one where I, I do not understand is the, the Russell Henley love this week. Like, I think he popped a little bit at work day, but it's like, it's Russell Henley, man. This isn't the Houston Open the week before the Masters anymore, Russell Henley. Like, it just feels that we've seen this before where guys of his caliber pop up for a little bit and then just completely fall off the face of the earth again. And Harris English has just consistently been good. And again, he's not getting the respect he deserves. And I think just by talking about Harris English more and more, I'm convincing myself of betting Uh-oh. him. This but uh, <laughs> maybe I don't know if that's a good sign or not. Yeah. And then also your Paul Casey versus Matthew Wolf. Like again, I've been burned multiple times on Paul Casey. I remember betting with in the Euro tour last year and he was like one over through nine. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then they, they caught up to him on 10 and he's like, Oh yeah, you know, it didn't sleep well last night. And not, it's like, yeah, fuck Paul. Like th- that would have been good to tell me, 16 hours ago before I made your 30 to one, whatever the fuck you were at the HSBC mm-hmm. China, whatever the, whatever the tournament was. But again, like one bad hole. Yeah. He stinks. I bet him at WGC Mexico. Fuck me there. Whatever. Stinks. Can't putt. But Matthew Wolf, again, he, he had that one good week at the rocket mortgage. I know he won here last year, but the only reason he did well at rocket mortgage is both things had to go right. He had to all of a sudden learn how to hit his irons because listen, I know his swing, be it whatever you think he gets into the right position, but that swing can go off way more often than other players just because there's so many moving parts that need to be in sync as opposed to a guy like Bryson who's almost like a one-plane guy. Uh, But yeah, so then he had to approach everywhere. Then he also had to roll in his putts. So both those things had to happen, which don't usually happen for him. So to take Paul Casey, who's consistently good tee to green, and then if he can – like I could totally see Matthew Wolf missing the cut this week. That would Mm -hmm. not be surprising for me. And to get Paul Casey at $1.83, like, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, I completely agree there. It's like you just got to play what's most likely going to happen. A lot of the times some people get really caught up in what could happen, which is why Russell Henley's that high up. And, you know, it's really why Matthew Wolf's that high up for odds and on DraftKings this week. It's like, oh, they could go off. It's like, sure, that could happen. It's just not as likely as some of these other guys. So I completely agree there. The only one I really like um, is uh, Taylor Gooch 
and Richie Rowenski. Obviously, I like Richie Rowenski to win that one. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. It, speaking of Taylor Gooch, again, I swear to I swear to God, these are signs because, man, I was watching a thing on YouTube yesterday. It was this guy who he plays out of Oklahoma. He plays out of this golf club. I think uh, Pine Tree. I want to say, anyways, it's some eighteen tour pros are members there. Um, uh, Taylor Gooch, I think is from Oklahoma. He plays golf out of Oklahoma. It just feels like all these things are lining up. Cause yeah, like if you look at Taylor Gooch on fan on uh, DraftKings, like he makes a lot of cuts. He does. He, he does make a, a lot decent, of cuts. And he's a decent player. And I think that there's so many people that you forget about here um, that you like overlook a guy like Taylor Gooch. And just to quickly touch on like, you know, your buddy for MGM, you get that hundred dollar thing. Yeah. Obviously, online poker is not coming back anytime soon, but like to have all these states start legalizing sports betting is, one, going to give us so many more options in terms of where to bet, where Top we can around. get the best odds. And I think that's why Matthew Wolf is 29th one, because you have all these new golf fans that know nothing about golf. They type in 2019 3M Open. Oh, Matthew Wolf, click. Like, there's no way in hell he should be 30 to one this week. But yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's like the, the more and more the sports betting becomes legal, it's just going to give guys like us an advantage. Because there's going to be way more people that have no clue what they're doing and way less of us that have somewhat of an idea of what we're doing, right? So this is only going to benefit, benefit us having all of these states legalize gambling more and more. Yeah, you know, that's definitely true. It's like golf is the one sport where, yes, someone that doesn't know anything can get lucky a couple of weeks. But eventually, the guys that know what they're talking about are going to win more times than that, and especially in the long term. So, dude, I completely agree with that. That's smart. And, yeah. You know, Wisconsin here for me, it's uh, it was, it's looking like we're going to be the last state to legalize uh, betting. So I might have to take a trip to uh, Illinois or Iowa here uh, when the, yeah, when the Masters over. PGA. Yeah, it's like an hour yeah. drive. So I might have to do yeah. that So when the majors come around. But um, I'm looking at DraftKings right now, DraftKings Sports, but they don't have any top 40s out right now. And maybe that's just because it has been, you know, kind of easier recently. And they're like, man, some people are really taking advantage of that. I really, it honestly could be. Uh, so they really only have top 20s. So, you know, really, uh, I know I don't, I don't really want to be this guy, but pretty much everyone that's in the player pool this week on uh, nine to five sports, I really like for, you know, to top 20 because they're guys that either I think are going to make the cut or they have some really strong top 20 upside. So that's really what I'm chasing this week. And I know a lot of the guys that we really favor, we've already talked about two top 20. Are there any, any other ones that stuck out that we haven't talked about? Yeah, man, I can't even get on uh, drafting sportsbook. So it's not really missing out because obviously you can't get any there, but um, yeah, man. Hudson Swafford seems to be popping a little bit for me. I, I don't know why. He seems to be ball striking. Is Again, mm-hmm. he, he's not terrible. I think we saw him. I think he was in Hubbard's group where we were walking around at the Honda Classic last year. And that's a course where, like, if you want to compete, you have to be a good ball striker. And mm-hmm. obviously this course isn't as hard, but you still got to be able to take good golf shots. And at Phoenix earlier in the year, Hudson Swafford was right there in the final group. So, yeah. or I think he was second last group anyways, right there near the lead. And he's like seven and a half to one. So, that's the top 20. Um, you know, you never know with him. I mean, cause again, just like Richard Rensky, Phoenix, you got to go low. Hudson Swaffer has been able to do that. Honda, you got to just manage your, your score. You know, you even one over is a good score there. And that's what he did. So to get a guy like him at seven and a half to one who sh- has shown some recent form. I mean, but again, I, I think that you, you're, you're right in terms of, I said, it's like Munoz fucking, but yeah, if you make the cut, you got to, great chance to top 40 and they're probably like and with so many less guys making the cut 
they're probably getting killed a little bit and I don't blame them. Yeah. Yeah. That honestly might be what it is. Um, uh, Hudson Swafford was one of those guys that I scratched my head over for a while, decide not to include him just because there's some other players I liked a little bit better, but I definitely get the play there. Uh, the only two that I'll mention for this are actually Matthew Naismith, DJ Tran, the great out as decent stat fits. If you guys want to play him, you can, but that's uh, <laughs> just how to get that in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much it. I think we'll just wrap it up here with our one and dones, and then I guess we'll do our favorite top 20 bet this week since there isn't a top 40 available. Um, do you want to start or should I? You better not take my guy again, although he missed the cut. So. No, no, um, no, I won't take your guy, but, uh, you know, Again, I could be completely overreading the situation, but Max Home at four to one to be a top twenty. You know, he's one of those guys on Twitter that you see that actually engage in fans who chirp him about like, "You fucked my DraftKings this week," and he's like, "All right, man, it's not like I'm not trying, whatever." But he says, and I know they like saying this, but he says his game's trending in the right direction, and this could be a course where he pops off to to not only top twenty but to win as well. So I like Max Home at four to one for my favorite top twenty bet. Yeah, I don't mind that. I do actually like him as like a high upside play as well. Um, I'm looking for Richie Rowanski for my top 20. I'm not seeing the odds on him. Again, let me see here. Do you have it on bet 365 bet? I got, uh, yeah, I definitely put, um, I put home on my $200 single entry just um, for upside reasons. Yeah. uh, 4.33. Okay. So that's not, you know, that's not bad odds for someone that's, you know, pretty much checking all the boxes. So I don't mind Richie Rowanski this week for, a top 20 and then we'll see here for uh the one and down outright pick so just to recap uh really none of them are in the field i don't think um mine had been oh man i can't remember now Xander, I, I went with Lance. you went with burger and it made sense right yeah dude if he would have made the cut he ranked out like top 10 in uh third round scoring and like fourth round scoring so i really think he could have easily top 10 i know i went with xander last week who snuck into a top 15 finish and we're all over norlander last week so you know it's been pretty solid for this like hybrid one and done thing that we've been doing this week or this year so my one and done pick is going to be tony finau so sorry to steal that from you but i do like tony finau this week (laughs) no no he was not going to be my one and done um we're talking about xander actually on twitter the uh, yesterday about that guy man to be eight over after 10 holes or whatever he was and to grind out a top 15 like that just shows that he's got it up here mm-hmm. and uh west coast pga championship west coast major give me those west coast california guys and uh yeah alexander a lot but uh my one and done this week is going to be tommy fleetwood i mean i get it yeah it's just like you know uh, i i don't like him in any other field the rest of the year like pga i wouldn't take him as my one and done like u.s open no masters no just the fields are too strong WGC, I don't even know. Think he's gonna if he's gonna play Memphis again. That's gonna be another tough field. So to have him at seventy to one in this field, he's literally okay. We haven't seen him, but DJ's looked like ass last week. I know he won the Travelers, but Brooks Koepka still has that knee issue. Tony Finau is hit or miss, and you know Tommy Fleet with seventy to one, he's gonna be number one and done. Yeah, I mean, you could easily argue that Tommy Fleetwood's the best player in the field. I think other than Colin Morikawa, he was the one player that, like, made 20 cuts in a row on the PGA Tour over the last year. So I definitely get the Tommy Fleetwood call, and especially for a one-and-done pick where, I mean, the field strength and Tommy Fleetwood here, where it sets up perfectly for him, that's a great call. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And if he wins, I'll look like a genius. And if not, 
Maybe you'll put it in the water on nine like Burger did and just completely fuck our, our lineups. Hey, I mean, while we had Burger with a win earlier on at the first events, Bryson now, um, John Rom now. So can't it's been, be complaining too much. You're right. Can't be complaining too much. Oh. It's been pretty good. But that's all we have for this week's podcast. I think next week we're going to try to go live if we can uh, figure everything out. If not, it'll be the next week after that. But we're going to try to figure out to go live and then we can answer some of you guys' questions as they come in uh, throughout the live stream. We'll have to figure out uh, kind of the nuances of that. But hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. We'll be ready for uh, next week's event for you guys. Let's have a good week. And as always, let's keep cashing.